Can you imagine two sweet-ass dudes like us in that car traveling through the desert across America? Wouldn't it look so fucking cool? We would go places and park the car where we know we look cool, hang out smoking cigarettes, leaning against the car looking cool, and let people look at us. We could get fucking trashed on drugs in the middle of nowhere and drive 150 miles an hour naked down the freeway and hang out the windows shooting shotguns at freeway signs and fucking historical landmarks and fucking jackrabbits. Dude, we could make some jackrabbit jerky and jackrabbit shoulder pads for our new leather jackets. Dude. You're Lord Humongous. Dude, you are fucking Lord Humongous. You are Lord fucking Humongous. The master of fire. The king of the wasteland. Lord Humongous doesn't get cheated on by some stupid bitch. Lord Humongous doesn't say, was it good for you? He doesn't say, who called or where were you last night? He doesn't leave the fucking gang when he falls in love. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 48, Bellflower. So, happy new year everybody. <laughs> this is season two of the podcast, <laughs> officially. Um, I think uh, I'm going to do another short run of stickers. Oh, I feel big bad. I think there's actually like some... People have been pretty loyal to the show who want one. Okay. And I feel bad that there weren't enough, so send in an envelope. <laughs> or, you know, just let me know and I'll, I'll I'll get you one. Yeah, I mean, big announcement. Yeah. Well, you know, the listeners have been pretty good to us, so I don't see why we can't have enough stickers to give them one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I hope everyone had a uh, happy new year and a good holiday and is ready to... Uh, jump right back into the action here on the greatest moments in the history of forever we're really excited we have a lot of interesting things coming up some new wrinkles for people who have been listening to the show for a while things that we haven't done yet that we're going to try out plus uh this is going to be kind of the cool down app but episodes 49 and 50 and 51 oh man we're coming into a big big run (laughs) want to you know, give the uh, impression that the episode that they're about to listen to is somehow lesser. No, this is a big one, too. <laughs> they're all big ones. <laughs> Every episode is... Yes. 
the best episode we've ever done. Absolutely. And uh, this one will follow that trend. (laughs) (laughs) So follow the show on Twitter, at GreatestPod. Subscribe on iTunes. Keep getting the word out there. Seems like uh, we've got some new listeners recently. Things are really uh, shaping up for a big 2017. Taking off. (laughs) Now, for this particular episode, uh, we did a movie that I had never seen before. Yeah, this was a Matt pick. Always uh, controversial in nature. Well, it was something that we hadn't done before, which was do a movie that Zach hadn't seen. True. Ever, so. Yeah. A weird move for the show. (laughs) (laughs) So Matt's going to take the big stick. It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people really liked that Mad Men episode, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they're out there somewhere. Um, Okay. Yeah, so Bellflower, a 2011 film. It's basically uh, the story of two aging hipsters, although it's unclear kind of how old they are. I would guess... Mid-20s? I don't know. I mean, I think all the actors were probably 32, but... Uh, mid, mid-20s. Yeah. Mid-20s um, feels right. So the two main dudes were just two dudes who moved from Wisconsin to California to pursue their dream of building f- flamethrowers and uh, muscle cars to prepare for some post-apocalyptic world that seems uh, inspired by Mad Max. <laughs> Mad Max, they have some sort of... Uh, over-the-top, annoying uh, obsession with Mad Max. Um, More specifically, Mad Max 2. Yeah, that's true. And the villain and his crew, Lord Humongous. Now, I first became aware of this movie. Uh, 2008 to 2013 was pretty much... uh, I had like a pretty big independent film run where I was watching a lot of movies on VOD. And I uh, became aware of this film distribution company called oscilloscope laboratories it was started by uh adam yach uh whatever mca from beastie boys and uh also co-founded by the dude that went on to found uh a24 but uh so they i was noticing that they were putting out like a ton of like indie movies and like just really cool cinematography for like low budget movies i saw this was one of their movies and it was on netflix so i watched it and you know, for watching like a lot, like for a lot of low budget movies, I mean, the look of this one in particular, it looks like pretty cool. I mean, regardless of like the plot and maybe whether or not you hate the characters, for being such a low budget movie and uh, a team of unknown writer, director, actors, editors, uh, I thought it was like pretty well done. Yeah, so uh, this film had a $17,000 budget. Um, it was written and directed by Evan Glodell, who also stars as the main character. And you were talking about the distinctive look of the film and the cinematography. Uh, he actually built a one-of-a-kind camera, which like combined vintage camera parts, bellows, and Russian lenses around a silicon imaging SI2K mini digital cinema camera. So he not only like wrote and directed it, he invented a camera yeah. to shoot it. Uh, and some of definitely like the negative reviews and criticism of the movie seems to a lot of people just think like this group of dudes just wanted to like show off all the stuff because they also go up, build like all the props and stuff that they use for the movie too. 
because uh, I don't. It's this whole group. Coat Wolf is what they go by, but. I know, like, the dude that did the soundtrack for this movie and is, like, the editor. I think he's, like, directing their next movie that the group is doing or at least working on. Seems like it could be one of those situations where they just, like, got a little overambitious for their second project and just, like, ran out of money. Although, I don't know. It, I think on IMDb, their second movie says it came out in 2016, but I could find, like, no news about it or anything. Yeah, I think... So maybe they finished it but couldn't get it distributed or... I don't know. I think they were doing some sort of, like... Uh crowdsourcing yeah. for it at some point. Okay, so we'll get into the plot. Uh, the two main dudes, uh, Woodrow, played by the writer-director Evan Glodell, and uh, whose name stinks, by the way. It seems like he has Asperger's or some sort of <laughs> fucking social disorder, because he's really like socially uh, weird and doesn't really seem like he knows how to interact with people, but he's like really good at like making things. Out of the two of them, it seems like he's the one that's like more of the hands-on engineer and uh his his best friend aiden uh who's i mean he's definitely more of the outgoing one uh it seems like you know they spend their days just kind of blowing up propane tanks and uh building a bunch of dumb shit in their pursuit of i guess like their ultimate goal is to have a flamethrower a muscle car and a motorcycle And yeah, they want to have a gang for post-apocalyptic times, and the name of their gang is Mother Medusa. Yeah, which stinks. <laughs> uh, so while they're out shooting this propane tank, uh, Aiden announces that they're going out that night because he wants to ha- have uh, Woodrow meet someone, specifically a girl. And they end up getting involved in this dumb like bar contest where Woodrow goes uh, head-to-head with this trash can of a... <laughs> girl named oh Millie. <laughs> well, I mean, she's, uh, you know, she's rough around the edges, but she's outgoing, likes to party. And uh, I don't know. They have like a cricket eating contest and Woodrow loses horribly. But this works as the kind of catalyst to get them together. So basically the first time he meets this chick, she's just cramming crickets into her mouth. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> do you want to meet my mom? <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely think that, like, I would, you know, if I'm interested in a girl, I'd be willing to put up with, like, a lot. But, I mean, for the rest of the night, I mean, she's going to have, like, guts of inse- insects all over the inside of her mouth, basically. Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> Although I've definitely kissed some girls who have had worse things on the insides of their mouths. Well, it's just, like, <laughs> dudes just have that drive. I mean, you think about, like, what was going on with, like, uh, like cave women and shit with their hygiene, and it's like, dudes were still yeah, at least getting mi- it going, you know? <laughs> at least Millie is probably maintaining her bush <laughs> a little bit <laughs> and wiping her ass. <laughs> I mean, it just works out this night that Woodrow and Aiden, they have another dude, and then Millie's group is, like, three girls, which, you know... I've never been into a bar where it worked out that there was, like, a group of three dudes and three girls. It's usually, like, 11 dudes and, like, one girl and and her friend who's, like, leaving to have her boyfriend pick her up. <laughs> but, uh... So, did you say the girl's name was Millie? Yeah. Okay. And the other girl of importance who will come more into the picture is her friend, Courtney, who's there. Woodrow kind of talks to her. They have, like, a little flirtation, and he's able to ask her on a date, uh, which leads to a scene of him showing up at her house... And her roommate, Mike, answers the door. This is our first introduction to Mike. He's very kind of like standoffish, kind of just like, 
But uh, he's nice to Millie, and we kind of find out pretty quickly that uh, he might, like, you know, pay her rent. Because <laughs> that's another thing we find out about a lot. Of these, well, she lives with him, but she doesn't really seem to, like, she has that attitude. She has that, like, hot chick mentality of, like, oh, it doesn't matter, like, which, you know, is questionable about whether or not she's hot enough to have that attitude. But <laughs> <laughs> So Woodrow is, like, Look, I want to take you to a really nice restaurant. You're a really nice girl, like, and she's like, "Fuck that! Take me to like the most disgusting place that you know of." And he's like, "Oh, uh, okay." Now, mind you, they're in California. He's like, "I know this place in Texas. All right, take me to Texas." First thing that seems like completely insane. Kind of a weird move for a first date. Let's just drive to Texas, right? And what? Are, by the way, one of their points of uh, when she met him is she made fun of his shoes and she bought him like a new pair of shoes. And I'd be like, fuck you. Like, I've walked into shoe stores and the salesperson has been like, oh, yeah, looks like it's time for new shoes. And I was like, hey, I think you're overstepping here. And I <laughs> walked right out. <laughs> yeah. So Woodrow is first, get, you know, he's getting involved with this Millie chick. He, he, we kind of are under the impression that maybe he's had a hard time with girls and yeah. relationships and whatnot. But, I mean, it is just kind of one of those things where it's like, you meet somebody new and you're unaware of all the baggage that they're going to be bringing into this. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, she's already got this situation with Mike, kind of a, an over-interested roommate who, right. as Matt mentioned, pays her rent, which is a, a bad sign. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he kind of answers the door when Woodrow gets there, and Woodrow's like, "What's up, man? I'm Woodrow," and Mike's just like, "That's nice," and like, "What?" <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it's. And it's he's, I was like, "What's the deal with him?" I would immediately be like, "Like, sniff that something's wrong here." And this is the problem with like meeting chicks at bars. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's just like this trashy kind of lifestyle that's like, right. If you're, you know, even halfway decent of a person, it's just like you got to turn and run in the other direction. Now, this is the first kind of real indication that no one really seems to work. And this trip from California to Texas, it's like, how long is this going to take? I just don't. I mean, we never really get any indication as to what's going on with these people's work lives. But it really doesn't make sense that she's just I mean. Her whole thing is kind of explained because she has someone who's been kind of covering her rent. But, like, Woodrow and Aiden, like, have their own places, and they're just seemingly off all the time. And it's like, okay, we're just going to go to Texas because that's something that people just can do. Take, like, a multi-day trip. <laughs> like, at yeah, the drop just of Yeah, spur of the moment. Right. Yeah, it's weird because uh, the night that she eats the crickets and then comes back and then Mike is there... Oh, yeah. He kind of says something like... Oh, it's Saturday already. Like, what did they have you do or something? I don't know. It seemed like maybe she was getting paid to, like, be at the bar and, like, participate in these things. That's possible. That's kind of just like, you know. But, I mean, how much money could she really be getting for that? <laughs> Obviously not enough to pay her rent. But uh, it's just kind of, like, going along, and, and they still kind of have, like, this flirtation between them. She's, like, really interested in him because he's kind of, like, weird and quirky and... He's explaining to her, he's showing her uh, in his car, which he calls Speed Biscuit, that he's built a whiskey dispensary system in it. Now, any chick that seems like she'd really be, you know, worth taking out would probably be 
a little bit horrified by this whiskey dispensing system, <laughs> but she's all on board. This is like really getting her going. There's we get like a check back in back in town where Aiden has run into Millie's best friend Courtney again, and she's like inviting him over to a party because they kind of had like a weird flirtation the night that they all met too. In a very bold move by some random dude, once they finally get to the restaurant and are walking in, this weird trucker redneck just grabs Millie's ass. Comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's something that uh, you see a lot in movies and stuff. I mean, I guess I mean, I guess I've seen it kind of happen in real life, but I mean, I've heard, I had a girlfriend who one time told me that a dude slapped her in the, in the ass at a party we were at, but I mean, of well, co- yeah, there's an ass slapping incident later in the same movie. Yeah. When they get back. In the situation I experienced, I of course was like drunk and passed out and my girlfriend was like somebody slapped me in the ass. And I was like, "What?" That <laughs> just seemed like so weird that someone would just do that. But <laughs> you were like, "Does he have a bigger cock than me? Can I watch?" <laughs> yeah, that was the start of it all. Um, do you think he would do it again while I'm watching? <laughs> <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> Did you get his number? Here's the thing. Some chicks are just the type of chicks that get their asses slapped in public <laughs> by strange guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Millie, I mean, she has a nice ass, but yeah. she's just this trash bag <laughs> skank. And it's like, I don't understand why Woodrow doesn't see this, but... Well, I mean, Woodrow doesn't know. All right, like what... Woodrow needs a you in his life to tell him. <laughs> well, who's like a, a chick character from a movie that we think is like a nice like angel of a girl? Are there any? <laughs> um, I, uh, I don't know, like Andy from the Goonies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like Andy from the Goonies isn't getting her ass slapped no. in public by some beer-gutted... <laughs> monster in a parking lot uh-huh. you know what i mean like yeah, that no guy is gonna take one look at her and then have to look away because he's ashamed of himself <laughs> and the life he's been living like she's such an angel but girls like millie their asses are just up for grabs <laughs> like literally up for grabs yeah uh, <laughs> boy but obviously right away woodrow's like what the fuck i gotta like stand up for this chick and he like uh immediately is just punched in the face by this dude yeah i mean so like their trip is kind of just this like getting to know you type situation and oh you know they really like each other uh now he's got to like stick up for uh eventually he like kind of makes a move like I want you to be my girlfriend they haven't even kissed yet <laughs> Yeah I know which I mean he's making all sorts of rookie mistakes here and not really leaving anything to mystery he's kind of like putting it out there that he doesn't really know what the fuck he's doing Yeah I mean so then I guess, you know, they eat at this restaurant, makes him sick or whatever. And yeah. then I guess it's like on the way back when he trades his car for a motorcycle. Yeah, it's it's unclear how far back there. We never really know how much time has passed. We've seen a couple different sequences of day and night. And at one point, Courtney tells Aiden, oh, yeah, they'll be back on Wednesday. We don't know what day they left, but it's like she doesn't say they'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So, yeah, and we have, like, a couple of scenes, as you alluded to, of them just, like, laying in the backseat of his car, not really, like, uh, seemingly uh, going all in to get hotel rooms or anything. So, now, I mean, it's just, like, first meeting right away, it's staying overnight. I mean, the smells and just kind of, like, the greasy face is what I think about. (laughs) 
Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any showering on right. this trip. Uh, yeah, they kind of like cut. Plus, the- later he references that he had diarrhea during this trip. Yeah, I mean, what is going on? I here? don't know. I don't know how. You, yeah, I don't know how you could start dating out of this. I mean, I've definitely had some dates that were derailed by diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they were ever first dates recently. <laughs> Both mine and hers. <laughs> When he's having the conversation of like, oh, I, I kind of want you to be my girlfriend, but she says, you don't want me as your girlfriend. I'll hurt you. Yeah, it's this weird bullshit thing where irresponsible, terrible people try to absolve themselves of blame beforehand With and then live up to the shitty expectations that they've set forth. It's such a you know immature, terrible thing to do. In a way, like her trying to warn him, I think, in her mind, makes it okay for what comes later. Right. And it makes it less terrible because she's like, well, hey, I told you this would happen, blah, blah, blah. But, in the, but really, it just goes to show you how shitty of a person she actually is because she's aware of her own shortcomings and then lives up to them completely and doesn't you know, take any responsibility to be a better person. It's no, just, no. Uh, so they believe me. I've gotten this speech. Before. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm much. I'm very familiar with this speech. So yeah, as you're saying, they stop at a gas station and there's just like a motorcycle outside that says for sale, and he trades his car for the motorcycle. Now again, no title transfer. Uh, we don't know how much longer they have to go to get back to town, but also not really concerned about the weather, which seems like it could be like a terrible ride on a motorcycle. But this just. An example in a long line of examples about how carefree and stupid these people are. But they get back to town where all the other key characters from the movie are all at this party at Millie's house. Uh, So Millie, Woodrow show up. It's like Mike and Millie's house and Courtney and Aiden are there too. Uh, Mike just wearing this horrendous hat looking like an idiot. Yeah, Mike doesn't really do... You know, many favors for himself. (laughs) (laughs) So he has an incident in the kitchen where, as you alluded to, he is accused by this unfortunate looking uh, chick that he's just slapped her ass out of nowhere, just right in the middle of the kitchen for some reason, Uh, which causes Aiden, who seems to always need like attention and is kind of like this obnoxious, but some people consider it lovable. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'll go say something to her. And a, a brawl ensues, and we kind of see what a real lunatic Woodrow is when he just smashes this bottle over this dude's head. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, like, shades of, like, Ryan Gosling's character from Drive or Ryan Gosling's character from The Place Beyond the Pines oh, yeah. where there's just, like, this weird outburst of violence. Right. Um similarly like kind of it makes you feel socially awkward uneasy about this dude i mean he's been super nice but he just has that kind of like weirdness to him where it just seems off and this really kind of like after this they're all kind of like celebrating like oh we're drunk we're having fun and they're like leaving the party and uh they all leave to get like millie and woodrow are like wandering off into the night and aiden's going with them he stops to come back and gives courtney a kiss then they kind of just run off into the night like Oh, that was awesome. And then leaving Mike there to talk to Courtney, he's just kind of like, you know, Millie's friends are douchebags. Really summing it up. (laughs) And uh, she's like, shut up, Mike. They're my friends, too. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, this is like all kind of just a 
you know, long drawn out like preamble to like the second half of the film, which is kind of just this like (laughs) sane downward spiral. Like, yeah, I think like my biggest issue with the film is that the turn kind of comes and it doesn't really feel yeah particularly earned because right. there's barely any like normalcy to the relationship between Millie and Woodrow where you kind right. of feel like the, oh this is like a real thing well there's yeah cuz the thing is there's we see them bang once then there's like this beach sequence where they're all hanging out and it seems like oh like so the six people from the bar are all like, okay, so now they all hang out. They have, they've kind of coupled off a little bit, and it looks like they're just having fun. Like After that, there's just like this jump in time, and this is where everything kind of changes. You don't know how much time has passed. Millie's hair is a little bit different. Uh, Woodrow is now sporting this just awful beard. What leads to kind of like the big thing is... Woodrow's like, all right, I'm going to go hang out with Aiden for a couple days. Unclear as to like why he's going to be gone from his house, but they're going to go do something to work on their little gay project or whatever. <laughs> and uh, she's like, but this is the weird. I, what always struck me as so odd about this scene is like, she's kind of like, do you have to go right now? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, which is, well, there's like, the, even they though try, the rest they of this, the scene, they have like this annoyed. weird scene where like, I guess you're supposed to try to take it that maybe Woodrow is starting to act like somewhat controlling of right. Millie because he starts asking all these questions and, and you know, you kind of get the impression maybe uh, he doesn't yes. trust her and then, you know, she's acting weird about him leaving. But, like, the odd thing is, like I said, this is kind of just this part which kind of, you know, I guess is supposed to show that there's some sort of, like, trouble in paradise, like a fracture in the relationship. Oh, yeah. It kind of just feels haphazardly tossed in to justify what comes next but like it doesn't really feel like we haven't spent any time with them really as like a real couple so it's like i don't know they're just two people that went to texas and back together and they had just met and it's like i I don't know what is the deal here i mean you you never really even get confirmation that they're officially like a couple other than like they're just kind of together in bed you know briefly and then it's kind of like all right it seems like they're together now but you don't know much about either of them beyond this trip and it's just i don't know yeah yeah i would agree it's definitely like oddly thrown in (laughs) so when woodrow comes back and finds mike fucking just railing the shit out of her too (laughs) yeah and, and overly showgirls in the pool esque dramatic fuck sesh with Millie, I mean, yeah, we get it. He walked in on his girlfriend fucking another dude, but like, I don't know. It's just it. It doesn't even seem really like it is out of character for her. I mean, we just like, <laughs> all right. I mean, she told us this would happen. Well, it's just like no, why no. we're supposed to feel like that gut punch kind of thing, but it's kind of like I don't know. I'll say this: Do we I, care about yeah, this relationship? I, mean, I feel like I felt it more the first time I ever watched it, but it's. I've been in various emotional states in my life, so <laughs> no. I mean, I don't. I do. I I know what you're you're saying because I kind of agree with you upon just ro- watching it more recently. Because the first time I watched it f- a few years ago, I was like, I don't know if I was just like buying into this whole like Woodrow innocence thing and like going for the wrong type of girl. But yeah, the it's very jutted and it's like a hard juxtaposition of like 
he has sex with her and it's just like really like ugh, like just mushy and embarrassing but then it's just like cut to mike just fucking the shit out of her <laughs> i mean and this is just like you know woodrow just can't yeah i mean like her her titties are like spinning like the propellers on a helicopter. I mean, it's just like it is a wild. He's got her scene. like up in the air. Yeah, it's just like. Just and I mean, I guess like you know that's like an intention, intentional juxtaposition because you know ultimately like these kind of these two guys, Aiden and Woodrow, are kind of like these. It, it seems almost Pretend like kind of like asses. a social commentary on like uh, modern men and kind right. of like. This idea that, like, he's too sensitive and he's too... But they portray this thing of, like, badass with, like, these muscle cars and flamethrowers and, like, smoking cigarettes well, and drinking well, yeah, whiskey. That's, well, that's, like, right. the visualization of what they, you know, want to be, but the, yes. they're not. And, like, his sex scene with Millie is very... Um, Similar to some from my own life. Chased and kind of subdued and then, like... It's very soft. He's not really bringing she's it. She's clearly the type of chick that, like... I think she says, like, don't come yet, and he's like, I already did. <laughs> it's something, something like that and then it's just like when woodrow gets a look at what mike's able to bring to the table i mean yeah i mean he's clearly he's doing something that we don't know for sure but i mean we're supposed to assume that woodrow is not really done he turns around and throws up <laughs> <laughs> yeah he there's a lot of times where woodrow just throws up in right. this movie it's kind of done to death but yes. like he runs out and then gets hit by a. He ends up getting hit by a car on his Wait, motorcycle. Yeah, he takes and off then, on his motorcycle. Millie runs out and screams in horror. Yeah, I mean, it kind of turns the rest of the movie into like this weird kind of fever dream where he's like recovering from this accident, and for some reason, a sexual relationship between him and Millie's friend Courtney starts to develop. Yeah, after and he gets out of the hospital, right? To this point. Again, though, like, we're kind of just not sure what the deal is because it seemed like Aiden was getting Aiden it going. Was, like, making a move and for we've her, had, like, but... Again, that's the thing. It's like, we've had a jump in time. How long is Aiden taking his time with this Courtney chick? Well, we don't know. We, we don't I mean, know. Yeah, we don't know shit. Because it, 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 it kind of works uh, in a weird way because it wants us to assume certain things about the Millie Woodrow relationship because it doesn't show us it. So no, no. we're supposed to just jump yeah. to conclusions with that. But then it's like you try to jump to conclusions because I mean ultimately uh Courtney and Woodrow kind of carry on in secret for a little while, but then Aiden finds out about it. But he's not He doesn't he, react he seems harshly. like annoyed and a He's a definitely little, taken aback. Yeah, but he's not like he's not this like, isn't like a betrayal like this was his girlfriend. He's like, oh you know I had a crush on her. Right. It kind of like it's like how well, dude. How long is this crush? <laughs> I mean, at some well, what point, I'm saying is it kind of like it kind of slaps the viewer in the face because it's like, wait a minute, we're supposed to like make all these assumptions with Millie and Woodrow, and time yeah. is jumping, and then like I think a rational viewer would make the same assumptions with Aiden and Courtney, and then it's like, well, no, they still are nowhere. Why include a scene of him like kissing her at the end of the party? Like, why do right. all that if I you're know. just going to be like, well, they didn't really. The betrayal get means nothing. I know, and, Aiden, and they don't really even treat it like a betrayal. Like they kind of just like, well, this is happening now. Yeah, and like, <laughs> although that's the thing, it's like I, Aiden has really just become like such a little bitch to Woodrow because it's like. He's buying him a car. I mean, wh with what money? I don't know what the fuck is going on. He's, like, doing all the building and everything. 
you know, he's really kind of been very distraught since the accident. And even the final thing is like, so you're sticking it to Courtney. Bet you that makes you feel good, huh? It's like, dude, at some point you just got to be like, <laughs> come on, man. I've cut you a lot of breaks, but that's kind of shitty. Yeah, I, I, it's like it's it's a hard thing to overcome because when I, I mean, when you're watching this and you think like, oh, wow, he's like about to fuck this Courtney chick. And then oh, he yeah. does. You're thinking like, all right, well, he just went and did the same thing to his friend that was done to him. And yes, maybe that isn't the most original way to go with it but i was thinking okay well this is where the conflict really is gonna be with the movie is between (laughs) these two friends and it's like it's kind of this anti-climatic moment when aiden finds out and it kind of is just like all right well yeah aiden's more like oh well that sucks now i'll say this about (laughs) the uh courtney woodrow sex scene pretty erotic (laughs) no i mean it's just kind of like I mean, for all these, like, like movie sex scenes, it's definitely a lot of, like, uh, this weird tension between two characters for a brief second, and then, like, a hardcore cut to, like, something going on. This, to me, ha- did have, like, that kind of just, like, realistic, weird build where it's, like, she just, like, shows up at his house unannounced with beers, and it just, like, lays next to him, and it just has that, like, you know, testing those limitations. He's, like asked her for a hug and then he's kind of like rubbing up her side yeah now she seems to be more accepting of someone that's like emotionally vulnerable because he like asked her to hug and then they're like hugging and then they're kind of just laying together and then it's like this very slow thing where he starts to like you know trace his fingers along like her stomach and it kind of just leads to where it leads and you know she's kind of like the opposite of what we now think of with Millie, which is like, she was looking for like somebody to just fuck the shit out of her. And like, she thought this weirdo who was blowing up shit in the desert was going to be this like savage caveman type. Yeah. And he kind of just was like this little lovey dovey pussy. Big win for Woodrow. You would think because Courtney's like a thousand times hotter than Millie. Right. And seemingly much nicer. And she, for whatever reason is immediately obsessed with him. And as we pointed out, he seems to be in the clear with Aiden, who doesn't really seem to care that yeah. much. You know, he's hung up on this Millie shit. Because Courtney even grills him about it. She's like, do you think you're getting over Millie? And in a panic move, he's just like, uh, I love you. And she just like takes off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if he if she like heard him say that. I don't know. It's yeah, because she's strange. already like bolting to the door as soon as he hesitates about not being over Millie. Because I mean, you know. She's just spending her nights curled up on this dude's bed. He, he doesn't do anything. He just lays in his bed and drinks beer and smokes cigarettes. So it's like, this is how this fine young woman is spending her days. And he's hooked on someone else. Meanwhile, like Courtney is just this little slice of cherry pie that I mean, good God almighty. I mean, I just, she doesn't even fit in this movie. She's way too pretty. It doesn't make sense that like... She would hang out with these friggin scumbags yeah and i mean millie's kind of like this dominant personality so like courtney kind of has to take this you know submissive role yeah Yeah. and it's just like uh sorry uh i've never been in a universe where a courtney isn't a queen bee you know what i mean it's just like (laughs) i know exactly what you mean she fell right out of heaven into these dirtbags lives and now you know she's getting tangled up in their stupid fucking bullshit yeah I know. And it's like she's going over to Woodrow's house and hanging out. And it's like, 
a dumpster, basically. <laughs> He's a dumpster. Yeah. So it could have been a big win. The final uh, third of the film kind of reminds me of a lot of bad English writing class writers that <laughs> I had to endure throughout high school and college. Just, you know, the type of writers that when you have to like write a short story for class, it always ends with the main character committing suicide or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. It's just like, oh my God. Now I'll say this. Even or their friend committing suicide in front of them. I remember a lot of that kind of, it's just like, what are you talking about? When I first watched this and was like pretty into this movie and thought it was cool, I've always not liked this part. I liked like the first half of the film and then when it starts going off on this universe, which starts with him staring at a box that says Millie's shit. Yeah, basically Aiden is chilling at the house. They're both kind of asleep and Mike shows up looking for Millie's stuff and Aiden chases him away and is like, you know, get the fuck out of here. Don't come back here. We'll beat your ass. Yeah. And it, it kind of cuts then to a box on a couch that says, that literally says Millie's shit right. on the box. Yes. You don't know it at the time, but it kind of splits off into this dream yes. sequence. Right. It's his like, which a big part of him in that accident is like, He's very he's like brain damaged now. <laughs> I guess not a lot of explanation of what's going on medically there. But uh I think like the way I see it like described in like some of the reviews of this movie and stuff like they talk, they refer to this like apocalyptic fantasy, like apocalyptic brain damaged fantasy. It basically is a back and forth that goes on between Mike and Millie and then Aiden and Woodrow that kind of escalates um with doing different things to each other starting Woodrow with her- goes and takes yes. Millie's stuff to her house and then burns it on her front lawn right which then causes walking through the streets with a flamethrower on his back <laughs> and then in retaliation Mike shows up and begins smashing the car that Aiden built for Woodrow uh, like smashing the windows and stuff. Yeah. Aiden goes out and confronts him, gets the bat weight from him, and then hits ends up hitting him in the head, and <laughs> yeah. he's not moving. He's like, oh, shit, and then just takes off. And then runs off into the night. So then we're kind of – I mean, this should be kind of a big clue, I guess, that this isn't really happening because nothing really – Yeah, no police investigation that we see, but, I mean, even their lives aren't really affected. Well, well we don't see Aiden again, but, like, Courtney and – Woodrow aren't really even questioned about it. Right. They're just and then hanging it's just out. It's kind of like yeah. someone shows up and tells Millie. But cop, we don't yeah. know what they tell her. Right. It's like, is he dead or what? Yeah. We don't know. Right. So then she, with the help of some unknown scumbag tattoo guy, yeah. shows up and subdues Woodrow and then tattoos like a beard mustache thing with like uh huge sideburns and right like a mustache literally tattoos that to his face yes so the then <laughs> most insane move ever yeah so at this point you're like what is going on like it keeps spiraling into this she's like, like trading sex with this tattoo dude to do this yeah and then he shows up at millie's house and they're kind of screaming at each other and she's like i don't care just do whatever oh yeah He's like, do you think about the horrible shit that I want to do to you? <laughs> After like, yeah, because I mean, obviously he's having like 
a complete freak out. What what am I supposed to do? What do you think I'm going to do? Look at my face. She's like, yeah, I don't care. Just do it. What do you want to do? Just do it. And then it's like they begin to have sex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Which this- kind of seems like this violent kind of consensual thing though because she's kind of like into it oh yeah and then they get down on the ground and he like takes her clothes off presumably like starts having sex with her which she's into at first and then starts to scream as he does something which we don't know right and then he emerges from her house covered in blood yes so he was either like fucking her with a knife or cutting up her stomach yeah while he was fucking her or something Courtney then shows up and is trying to get. <laughs> she's like Woodrow, Woodrow. Just, she's, she's like trying to get him to like talk to her, and he won't talk to her. Yeah, so then she just she shoots was, herself. <laughs> she was gonna move with him. She she goes back to her apartment where her roommate, who's this other like hang around chick from the movie, and she's like, "Fuck this, uh, I'm moving. I'm leaving today. Woodrow wants me to go with him, which isn't really that clear because I, I don't remember him even saying. Yeah, that. he's just like, "I'm leaving. It was nice to know you, but see ya." And she's like, Woodrow wants me to move with him. I'm moving with him. And her roommate's like, what about Rent? And she's like, fuck Rent. (laughs) So she's one of those people. Yeah, and there was, previously, there was like this weird confrontation scene between Millie and Courtney where Millie ends up like pulling a knife on Courtney. Bad move. (laughs) Courtney's just always packing. So Courtney commits suicide on the street (laughs) in front of Millie's house. And then... Cuts back to him staring at Millie's shit right. box, and then I think him and Aiden end up burning it on a beach. Yes, and then they they're they talk like, about leaving California. Right? Together. They're like, "Why are we even here? We never even go to the beach." They seemingly moved there because they thought it would be cool. Yeah, but- they kind of realize that they've only come to California for this like empty fantasy, and it's really not worked out. They just hang out with each other. There's really no point, and so why don't they just head out? Yes. And be and they kind of even then in this final speech talking about like Lord Humongous oh, yeah. and wanting to be this end part the way it's like shot with the it kind of reminds me of Spring Breakers with like the voiceover like I mean I'm not saying this or like this uh, is on that level but I'm just saying the way it's done is or very, like, like a like, Levi's ad from like five or six or seven it's years just ago like, uh, that like kind of music is like building and he's like talking over it in like this like emphatic way. Yeah, so Lord they, Humongous doesn't. <laughs> yeah, they talk about like the projections of themselves and like what they could be. It kind of just the you know typical fantasy of like you know going someplace new and starting fresh, right. and no one knows you. You know, like if me or you like moved to like Kentucky, and you know we'd be like fucking footloose down there because <laughs> no people kidding. would be like, "Man, you guys come from like a cool city." <laughs> You guys are so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Your Blu-ray collection is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, you, it ends with, like, a really random shot of yeah. Millie and Woodrow kissing in the street, both, like, covered in blood. Or right. Like, I mean, it's kind of... Yeah, like, it's cheesy. Yeah, I mean, to me, the film is really kind of like a commentary on, you know, this kind of generation of people in their 20s and 30s who kind of are and i mean it, it might be just like a new trend because right. each generation might be the same now where this kind of refusal to grow up yes and be responsible and, and have like a real life and kind of the pitfalls for some of the people who don't make it work right i'll say this the first the early part of the movie where it's like them 
hanging out at the bar, meeting these chicks. I mean, not unlike times of my life. <laughs> it's just the way they're acting, just like idiots. But I don't know. It is. It's like this where they're like in their mid twenties and they're like, "Oh, let's see how many beers we can drink." <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, it's it, it is odd because I mean, you see like a lot of people um, commenting on the film talking about nobody having jobs and like that kind of thing and i definitely think that's probably intentional because it's kind of like they don't want to ground these characters in any sort of like day-to-day reality they're kind of like the extreme version of this kind of lost generation of people who don't want to grow up or accept responsibility and kind of are living out these ridiculous imaginary fantasies of like a post apocalyptic world where <laughs> well, they would yeah. have this gang right. and all this stuff and they've taken it to like such an extreme level yeah where they're literally shooting propane tanks well, the other just point to is see like, what would happen they do seem to be these actually incredible mechanic engineers and this is like this is the way they're using their right <laughs> like they don't really they have no real goals or ambitions right. their their goals and ambitions are tied up in something ridiculous worthless and i think you know it's no big surprise that like their friends and their lovers and their acquaintances that are pulled into their orbit are kind of questionable people because they're not yeah. functioning in like a realistic any, society. Any like normal member of society would look at what they're doing and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, Millie comments on his shoes, but his shoes were like ridiculous. Insane. I mean, yeah. They were like, barely shoes anymore they were just like and he was wearing them out in public right and and it's <laughs> yeah. like they're kind of living in this like squalor because it's like they're it is weird that they're able to afford anywhere to live at all but like the places don't seem very like nice or clean. no no they definitely are living in like a poor neighborhood although yeah it is strange that they can even afford to have their it's own questionable places. how they even have money for food I and mean, right they're drinking like shitty beer it's just kind of just this you know sad lifestyle yeah and they're kind of in denial about like reality. I mean, both literally because they're not functioning in society and also, you know, in terms of what they're interested in because they're all, you know, they're all tied up with this, you know, Mad Max 2 fantasy world yeah, yeah. that isn't going to happen, obviously. Right. <laughs> and even if it did happen, they wouldn't survive. No, they're pussies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw somebody online referred to the film as like an exercise in like hipster exploitation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I well I do think and I think there's another movie too that falls into that. The uh it came out a couple years after this the, the comedy, the one with Tim and Eric in it. Like it's I called the comedy. That. It's kind of like the same idea except it's like hipsters in their 40s who just like are acting like idiots still and stuff and like don't care about it. like yeah, and I I felt like it's it's similar. It would get the that same review. Because, yeah, I mean, this has, like, all of kind of the plot elements of, like, kind of various, like, grindhouse-type movies, like, with the loud cars, explosions, and fire, but it's, like, all tied up with, like, these guys that, like, are basically in a mumblecore movie. Yes, yes, right. Who are just, like... Constantly having to reassure themselves, dude, because we're fucking cool! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I just feel like the casting was weird, too, because Courtney is so exceptionally pretty there's really like you you just have this sense of like when he starts sleeping with courtney it's like dude you won this is millie's best friend who 
Millie obviously would be aware that she's more attractive. It's just like, what do you, I mean, you <laughs> you don't need to like light her shit on fire. You've no. already like torched her yes. IRL. You got, you have the upper hand now. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, I know. That is insane. I do want to talk briefly about the, the scene of him leaving the house before he comes back to find her. I mean, it just not picking up on anything here. Woodrow. Well, he, but that's the thing. He knows something is off. Cause I mean, just the way she's acting is so bizarre. And it's like, I've definitely been in this position now enough times that it's like, I'd be like, Oh yeah, something's up. Cause it's like, you never want to be suffocating and asking questions, but it, it's like when the girl pulls the move where her phone goes off and then in front of you, she's hiding it underneath her. <laughs> I mean, is it your fault to then be like, who was that? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Don't get involved with these loose moral chicks that have a dude roommate. Right. As with like anything even remotely like relevant, uh, there's a great, you know, Seinfeld episode about him <laughs> dating like a chick with like a yeah. <laughs> he's like there was a dude there. Like, and it's just funny, you know, because it's not like they use the word dude. Oh, yeah. Seinfeld. So it's like some guy with a mustache and he answers the door in a towel. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, especially a dude that's like paying the chick's rent. I mean, it's just like. And he's like just a dismissive ass in general. I just feel like I don't really want to hang out with that Mike dude. And it's just like it, it just goes to show you that there's like constantly like this. Every chick has like this orbit of people that are just like in her life already. And it's just like, get out, you know, you have to fight your way through it. And, and then even once you are through it, (laughs) there's some hangers on. (laughs) Yeah. There's always that baggage that she, that just won't leave her life. And then it always comes back to bite you in the ass. But it's like, you know, and he's just like leaving the house and he's like, all right, I love you. And she just kind of like stares at him blankly. It's like, well then, what are you doing at my house then? You know what I mean. If you, <laughs> it is a weird move on her part to have sex with Mike in his house. Yes, it's a which brutal also kind of calls into question what exactly has been going on with this relationship. Has she moved in with him at this? I don't point? know. I don't know. They kind of try to allude to like that maybe way. that well, she's. It's kind of in the process. Yeah, he's like, oh, what is this box doing here? This jewelry box. You have jewelry? Yeah, it's just kind of strange that she has things in his apartment. And And that's what leads to him coming back is the one brief time where stuff is off between him and Aiden. Like, they have this plan to go do something, but Aiden's just, like, sitting there. He's just like, fuck it, dude. Fuck the gang. I don't want to do this. Like, throws his beer can. Like, Woodrow's like, I told Millie I'm not coming back till tomorrow. And he's like, that's nice. Like, (laughs) this is the one scene where we see, like, a fed up Aiden with Woodrow's fucking pee-whipped bullshit yeah the relationship dynamics between the characters are strange and never like fully developed right and because you definitely kind of get the impression early on you know when they disappear to texas for a couple days that maybe the main focus of the film is going to be like tension between uh aiden right and woodrow but that never really plays out even when woodrow starts fucking courtney who Aiden was clearly interested in. It right. kind of just goes, yeah. it kind of fizzles and out without going Aiden's, anywhere. When Aiden's kind of like flipping out at him in this one scene and he's like, fuck it, I don't care. Like Woodrow's like, yeah, I don't, I don't have to go back till tomorrow. And he's like, bet that went over real well. Like, it's like Woodrow's not even like responding to Aiden's like comments. He's just like, 
standing there and he's just like, okay, well, I guess we're not hanging out. So I'll go back. And then I guess, you know what the, the big thing is once he's in this like horrific motorcycle accident, Aiden's like, well, I can't really be pissed at him. And plus I think it's kind of like, he's like, this is my moment. I got my guy back. Yeah. I just think there was a more, uh, interesting film somewhere with these materials that could have really explored this idea of these, um, underdeveloped men kind of coming to grips with that and the tensions between the two best friends when you know confronted with the idea of growing up and it's like yeah that's not something that hasn't been done before oh, no, it's not but, an original storyline for sure but but ultimately what what you're left with at the for like the last third of the movie is kind of just this weird um violence fantasy that kind of takes his cues from like you know tarantino or something and it's kind of like you're not really clear on what the message is what is the what is the point of this like what did (laughs) what what did we gain from this last third of the movie yes which didn't really happen i have always felt like that sequence was that whole long like half hour long sequence just feels completely bizarre and it's like it's comical like you're just like what the fuck yeah i mean it seems like, you know, they wanted to include some crazy violence and some like craziness. Yeah, and just for the have sake some of action sequences it. in it, yeah. Like they thought like, oh, wouldn't it be fucked up if like somebody tattooed like this stupid looking beard and and sideburns. Although and stuff to be on fair, that tattooed beard looks way better than the beard he actually grows. <laughs> but yeah, I mean I Again, the things that really kind of drew me to it is just, yeah, like, I was, like, stunned at how good I thought it looked. And, like, I thought the soundtrack was cool. It has, like, kind of a cool, like, original score. that It's, like, this, like, lo-fi acoustic sound with, like, soft singing over top. And then it's got, like, some cool little indie music in it, like Santa Gold. And uh, the Chromatics do, like, a cover of Kate Bush's uh, Running Up a Hill, which pretty cool for me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it definitely has um, a unique, interesting look. Um, And you can tell, like, there's a lot of uh, potential there. It kind of... I don't think the performances are all that bad, either. For indie movies, I mean... They're... um, They kind of come across as as people that would hang out in this group. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This movie, it definitely to me is more representative what you would expect for like a first time filmmaker versus what we talked about in the Donnie Darko episode, which seems yes. way more advanced. Now, granted the budgets are not comparable, right? Uh, the budget for this was like $17,000, which is insane. I mean, and, and again, the look of it definitely stands out for something that without low of a budget and how much they're including in this movie. Yeah. And I mean the, uh, Cinematographer was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award for Best Cinematography and ended up losing out to the cinematographer for the artist. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, there was... The fact that they were even in a nomination together. (laughs) Well, that kind of, like, spearheaded a whole thing where, like, people kind of complain and they're like, well, it's bullshit that, like, movies, like, the artists are included in the Independent Spirit Awards because the budget for the artist dwarfed the budget for this, which was $17,000. I mean, it's kind of not really the same kind of thing. And story-wise, I think it could use some work, but 
it, it shows like a lot of potential and it's it's definitely a visually interesting film. I kind of didn't really like the, um, I guess, I don't know what, the title cards for like chapters that yeah, show Yeah, I up never a few really like that. It, it kind of felt like, really I don't like it in Clerks. Uh, I didn't I, mind it as much I didn't really like the in-between it, stuff in Donnie Darko director's cut either. Well, those were like, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, not really not the, the same, same thing. thing well, but, the, but they're breaks from the... The things in Clerks never really mattered to me because that always seemed like a sequence of like just different sketches almost that were yeah, strung together. That's true. I mean, like, yeah, they're definitely worthless in this movie. Or, yeah, and it, well, they try to be like, uh, you know, kind of intriguing and like poetic. Yeah, they, no. they, they come off a little douchey where you're right. just like, all right. <laughs> yeah. And in a movie like this, it kind of interrupts the momentum of the style of film that this is especially for you know the second half of the film they're trying to like ramp up yeah and then you kind of just that is surprising to me it does seem like someone in this group like as going through like go leading up to the final cut i feel like just one of them had to be like should we really include these (laughs) yeah i don't know but uh yeah, so this was like an interesting uh, experiment. Just a weird one, but we'll get back to the normal show after this. <laughs> this is the normal show. Yes. Yeah. Folks, this is a- it. <laughs> I don't know what you were expecting. This is the normal show. But yeah, as Zach alluded to earlier, uh, we're going to be introducing a new thing pretty soon. So yeah, keep your eyes on that feed. Yeah, and I mean, it's really... Um, more of like a special treat for subscribers. Someone. I mean, yeah. anybody will be able to take part in it, but it's definitely... It's going to pop in one day, and you're going to be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously... <laughs> They're angry about it. <laughs> obviously more... It's like on... when you 2 put that album on people's <laughs> iPhones. <laughs> We're just infecting your feed <laughs> with our bullshit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that'll be explained in greater detail when we get there right um but um we're kind of very quietly approaching our 50th episode you would think you know <laughs> that's true the, the way we built up that 25th episode the cartwheels we were sp- <laughs> the verbal cartwheels we were sp- spinning every no, episode I, that, honestly i that's even when we started talking about like coming up on 49 50 at the beginning of this episode i was starting to think like Man, when we were leading up to that 25th episode, people were like texting me, like asking what it was. And then, you know, once it came out, I don't think anybody was really like, holy shit. You know what I mean? Well, we were. I got positive feedback on those uh, Roadhouse episodes, but. Here's the big surprise. We're going to do Roadhouse again. (laughs) That would be great. Every 25 episodes, we're just going to do Roadhouse, which would be actually awesome. Yeah. We should do that, but we're not. Yeah. I mean, there's only so many roadhouse level movies that we could do you know what i mean yeah not everything can be as glorious as that but i do think again forty nine fifty and 51 is going to be a a run of stuff that a lot of people are fans of the movies listeners of this show anyway okay so that you know is something to get excited about in the meantime you can follow the show on twitter at greatest pod hopefully you're subscribed already but if you're not you know, go ahead and do that. It's not complicated, people. No. And, uh, you know, continue to try to help us spread the word. Yes, please. We'd, we'd love to have just like a few more <laughs> regular <laughs> listeners. 
Um, if you're a first-time listener, you know, welcome. Uh, most of the time, I kind of run through the plot. Yeah, but so this don't was, panic. It's not always <laughs> like this. <laughs> this is kind of a, a change-up. You know, we need to do that. Every once in a while. Every once in a while. I think shake things up. It, it'll maybe once in every 25 episodes, I'll like pop in there. Well, I don't know. I mean, you might be doing it again sooner than you think. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to be experimenting with a lot of new ideas. We have a couple of different things planned that are a little bit different from the norm. Some of it might work. Some of it might not. It's a journey, you know? Oh, yeah. It's the greatest That's journey in the history of forever. Right. <laughs> it's certainly and, not the destination. <laughs> Oh, God, no. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for listening. And um, or, or is there anything else that we need to say? Uh, no. Go I always kind of feel out. like we're forgetting like one Yeah, thing. we really drag these endings on. Well, the, you know what, though? Every time I listen to it, I'm always like, oh, oh man, shit. I forgot to mention this or yeah. that or something. What? No, I was just like, that, that was me impersonating oh, you. When well, you, you had a look to... on your face like you were being serious. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I go full on for these impersonations. <laughs> you were like, oh, shit, this episode stinks. Spraying perfume. <laughs> yeah, you should see Matt during the performance <laughs> that he gives. He's miming out things. <laughs> I just try to stare straight ahead so that I don't have to look I'm at it. I'm very theatrical when I talk. <laughs> um. All right, yeah, thanks for listening. That was Bellflower. Uh, I'm sure most of you haven't seen it, so check it out and support indie film. Yes, please. <laughs> Maybe hop on to uh, Indiegogo or whatever thing they used yeah. <laughs> to check try out to their fund Patreon their second page. movie. <laughs> um, all right, we'll see you next time. Peace. Dog. Oh my god, that was one time!